0: Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We are here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Erica was unable to join us. Guys, it is the holidays. I feel like when people are listening uh, to this podcast, it'll be right around Christmas time if you celebrate it. If not, it is the holiday time. You probably are off work. You know, it's a weird year, of course, but um, we're all doing our best. Uh, Guys, has anything been happening for the holidays? Have you gotten gifts for people? Have you received any, uh, you know, premature gifts before the twenty fifth? Uh, how are you guys yes. feeling?
1: Oh, go Max, you go first. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it is the holiday season, and typically this would be probably the recap of the pub crawl, you know, our, our annual yeah. tradition, and you know, the pub crawl, uh, of course, couldn't happen, so it got moved to a backyard crawl, which we were all very excited about, and we were thinking of activities, uh, and then I think you know some of the wives, um, rightfully uh heard about it and said, how many guys are going to be in my backyard on Saturday? 20? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. This is not happening. So one by one, guys started to drop off. And then it got moved to uh, the pub crawl Zoom call. And then I, I was kind of checking the messages on Saturday afternoon. And it got pretty quiet in the Champion Boys group. Like, nobody really seemed that interested in doing the Zoom call. And I wasn't really that interested. I, I The thought of it kind of made me more depressed because, like, it was, like, such um, a week replacement for what the thing was actually going to be and it just kind of reminds you that much more of the pandemic and so that just like never happened am i getting that right mike did did anybody have did anybody get on the zoom call
0: no 100 percent. like i think i think you nailed it i think that one everyone has zoom fatigue and screen fatigue and it's just like we're going to do this again we've been doing this for nine months or whatever it is and i think everybody was so excited to do this backyard crawl because we're like listen like we're gonna be responsible we're gonna be outside we're gonna be socially distanced you know but then like the numbers do start you know everybody wants to be part of the pub crawl our mm-hmm. kells release a single pumping up the pub crawl you know so it's like the backyard crawl it starts to snowball uh and then yeah like i i didn't realize the numbers i thought it was going to be like 10 guys 12 guys like i you know but because i'm not thinking about it and then when i saw in the group that it was like a big number and we'd already started to hear rumblings like you said of you know <laughs> more sober thought where it's like, are you guys really sure this is the right thing to do? You know, the pandemic is getting worse. The numbers are going up. We're going to be going into lock. And all of that started to gain momentum. And obviously it was the right thing. And being the responsible citizens, I'd like to think that we are, we did call it off. But like you said, flies started dropping. Like I started dropping off in the group throughout, like sort of the day before. And it was like, oh, this, this is, this is going to be over. And, and Sean Dawson, who really had spearheaded the effort this year to make a backyard crawl, organizing who was going to have the fires in their backyard. Like he really put a lot of work in how the drinks were going to work and how we could do this all in a safe way. I could just see him getting like slowly more and more demoralized as guys were like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out or someone's like, yeah, my backyard is not going to work. And he was just like, he's like, I'm getting Rochester P- PTSD because this is what <laughs> yeah. happened with our friend Brody's uh, uh diaper party the week of March 11th that we were supposed to go to Rochester that Saturday and guys just started dropping off at the very start of the pandemic. And yeah, so he was pretty crushed for about 24 hours. And I didn't know if we would do the zoom, like the pub crawl zoom, but it just, yeah, there was no enthusiasm the next day in like the champagne boys message group. And so it, yeah, if people were zooming, I, I, I wasn't a part of it. I don't know. Shani, what were your thoughts as you were following along?
2: well i thought i almost had something to do with it because Birchell was messaging me hey are you gonna come on the backyard crawl and i was like well even if it's perfectly safe which i do think all of you could pull it off safely if everyone's walking in a big pack to someone else's backyard it might be a bad look you might get Called on by a neighbor or maybe a potentially jealous friend who's angry he can't make it out and does an anonymous call to the police, implying <laughs> that I, <laughs> implying that I was going to call yeah. the cops on him. <laughs> You're the guy. And, and he knew I was joking, but I felt like it still got in his head. And then before I knew it, the pub crawl was called off. I heard the the uh, the wives were also uh, not not happy with it, like like you said. But yeah, I'm I thought the Zoom might happen, but I knew it would be so. Because once you start – once those backyard hangs start happening, it's like going back to having a roommate. There's no – once you don't have roommates, there's no going back. And once you start seeing people in person, there's no going back to the video calls if they're your buds and you're used to socially distanced drinks.
1: Well, the thing that it um, kind of reminded me of, I was listening to this podcast, The Gist with Mike Pesca, and he was interviewing – somebody um who is a former sports journalist who's now an academic who's done a lot of polling and research for why um the ratings for sports isn't as high as people assume they would they'd be and cuz it was a little mysterious right cuz people thought that when sports came back in August, like with the, with the NBA and NHL, like the ratings would be through the roof because there was absolutely nothing else to do. But sports, kind of across the board, the ratings have been much lower. And one and there's been a lot of hypotheses. One of them being like it got, sports got too political and BLM, et cetera, et cetera. But this woman was saying that watching sports is a form of escapism. But when you're watching the games now, you're just reminded that you're in a pandemic. You're just looking at a stadium, at an empty stadium, or cardboard cutouts, and then announcers are trying to act like it's normal but it's absolutely not normal at all and that's what and I thought I thought that was a really good observation because uh, it cuz it's not escapism right now it is a little bit and and we can all watch the raptors and get excited about it but I think for the average sports fan the average person turning on the TV to watch your know, your home team that's not even allowed to play in your home city is actually kind of depressing so that's kind of what it reminded me of with the with this pub call zoom call I'm like ah uh, this is just there's nothing I'd be I'd rather do less than than talk to all you guys on a Zoom call because it's just re- reminding me <laughs> uh, of uh, uh, that's uh, the name
0: of this that's the title of this episode yeah.
2: <laughs> as we're all on a Zoom t- chat
1: as we're all on a Zoom no no I mean this is nice and it, 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 it's a different thing but it's like it, it, the replacement though for the real yeah, thing absolutely is just that it, it hurts that much more at this point
0: well I wasn't I wasn't. I wasn't really thinking about it like you know it was still during the week I was working I was sort of busy distracted and then a champagne boy I I will remain unnamed sent me a text and he's like hey he's like want to know your thoughts on you know this pub crawl because you seem to be a pretty good bellwether about how to handle these things he's like what like what are you thinking and and when I got that text from him I was like this shit's not happening I was like (laughs) because because i'm like if he's thinking yeah. this way and by the way he was right i just hadn't really thought about it was yet. it peak? and then it was peak right i i will not name names but it was not peak. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah but but and, and you know like you said i think it's hard to and shane made this point it's hard to everyone be excited to see each other do this sort of socially distanced backyard crawl in lieu of this this pub crawl uh and then all of a sudden the alternative is like Let's all get on a Zoom like, you know, we've been doing forever. It, it just kind of lost the the luster. And again, I would have done it if guys had piped into the group. But it just when nobody was really saying anything. And then I think at like 7 o'clock, like Al or somebody was like, so are we doing the Zoom thing? And then it's just dead silence. It's like, oh, man. Al <laughs> <laughs> out in Prince Edward County.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. one well, yeah, You asked if we got gifts, early gifts, right? I, I did. I, I got an early gift.
0: I got an early gift too. I want to hear about your early oh, okay. gift and then I'll tell my early okay. gift. Okay.
2: So I, I sleep listening to podcasts and I always wear these shitty headphones and I was just complaining about how bad my sleep is because if you sleep on one side, you're like crushing a headphone. And it comes off your ear and then Alex gifted me early because she knows I've been sleeping terribly because of the headphones and Lucy's been waking up at like 3 a.m. Uh, she gave me AirPods.
0: Hey! Which, which I never thought AirPod I'd fans. be an that's AirPod awesome. guy
2: because I don't know there was there was some stigma about AirPods for a bit, but obviously that's blown over now, and uh, it makes my sleep so much better. Oh, because you don't even really know they're in.
0: Welcome to the club. You should have got joined sooner. Yeah. They're the dream.
2: I know. I just it, they're a lot of money too.
1: The, I, I would actually say though, um, cause I'm an AirPod guy. I mean, I'm wearing them right now. I love the AirPods. I use them for working out, for walking around, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, I'm like you guys. I cannot fall asleep without a podcast. The AirPods are actually not ideal. I think the old wired in, uh, Apple iPhone headphones are the better ones because you don't lose them. You sleep with one in, you, you take the other out. And then if it falls out in the middle of the night, you can find it because trying to find an AirPod in the middle of the night once it's fallen out, that's hard. And sometimes you switch sides because I switch sides, and they'll have to find the other one
2: and and switch the ear. And anyway, so for me, that, yeah, that's I, what I, I would think do. wearing a headband can solve that dilemma. Just a basketball headband, and it's better because the wires are annoying. They would pull out. I used to wear that, but I move and I would like get under it and yank it out of my ear and wake myself. up. So you up. wear a
1: basketball headband to sleep.
2: No, but I'm going to start because last <laughs> night Hell, last, last night they did fall out once and I did have a little trouble locating the, the AirPod and I was like, headband.
0: Max is 100% right. When you got to search for that, especially if you have like white sheets and then it's all the, it's just, it can be a bitch, especially if it falls in, like behind the mattress by the headboard. They can be a little elusive. I actually but what about do. my
2: headband solution, Mike? You, you you think that would be too distracting? People, you I, wear those eye
0: masks, Max. That's max does. I don't wear those. No, I, 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 I tend, So I fall asleep every night. Actually the head, the headphones I'm wearing right now, these like kind of like beats we got from work Shane, like a half decade ago. I, these are the ones I do. Cause like max says, I put it in one ear, and when it like falls out eventually after I'm asleep, it's just, I know that it's fallen off the bed and it's, I find it easier than falling asleep with the, the, the AirPods. So you don't need two earbuds in, I need full audio. Actually, no, though. Oh, okay. no, no, no. One mm, ear, interesting. one ear. And then the other ear is just on the pillow. That's how I roll.
1: Also, losing uh, an, an, a high end AirPod, like the AirPod Pros, uh, and not being able to find it is very stressful. And obviously, if you're in your bedroom, you'll probably be able to track it down. But um, I was seeing yeah, I bet my Sending that
2: email to Apple it, and then getting them <laughs> sent the next day. <laughs> what a nightmare for Max. Yeah. Checking the tracking number. Hey, guys, I lost it's been my Three comps. hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, uh you're not you're not completely wrong um the i was sitting on my my parents front porch and i uh, had my i think my airpod case in my hat and i moved my hat uh it, the the case hit the ground and then uh the, the two airpods like spilled out of it and they're and they bounce around in funny ways so it kind of hit hard concrete on my front porch and then one kind of fell nearby and the other one went completely missing i was like where is this thing and next to the, the porch uh, there's the garden in the front and there's all these rocks like just like you know like decorative garden rocks and they're kind of like stacked up against the porch and so we're like it's kind of getting dark it's probably like five or six pm at this point and we're like literally like digging through the garden and it was the airpods had sort of like fell like between the rocks like at the very back bottom it was like it was like the most it was it would have been the hardest possible place uh for the thing to to find it to wedge its way into and that's exactly where it was and uh, of course ash found it but i was like <laughs> that is a fucking nightmare you know it's like losing one of those things you, that really can can mess your whole month up
0: true story i uh me and Danica both had AirPods. Like, I'd gotten the AirPods just because I, I I wanted them, I think. And then I think I got them for her because I was like, these are a revelation. Like, I, it was like a gift for a birthday or something like that. Uh, and we were, this is like two years ago. It was whatever the, the summer where Kawhi uh, was a free agent. We wanted him to come back to Toronto. All my time is marked in NBA free agency, by the way. <laughs> and so... so we decided to like, uh, it was like me, Dan, and Wynn was pretty little. We're like, oh, like, let's go spend, the you know, a night in Buffalo. We'll go to like the Millennium Hotel. They got like this indoor pool and it's like this kind of fun, kitschy hotel. So whatever, we go there. And because it's like right in the heart of free agency, in the bed, in the hotel room, I'm wearing like the AirPods and I'm literally just up like, you know, refreshing Twitter, like looking for like news, 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 news. Fall asleep listening to like a podcast about the NBA or whatever wake up in the morning, kind of put the pods in the thing. And then normally I would take the little casing and put it on like the nightstand. But I just like left it in the bed because then like Winona was in the bed. So we were kind of like goofing around and wrestling and stuff like that. And then we were kind of like, oh, we got to check out. So that all happened in, in sort of a rush. But because like the sheets are so white, when I did like my scan, my eye scan of the place, I just, I didn't even think about it. My iPods are always like somewhere in a bag. By the time we get to the, the border back to Canada, like from Buffalo, it, I realize I do not have these AirPods, which are like 200 bucks or something. I go into like a panic and I'm like, they're not on my person. And I realized i left them in the bed. And when I did like my last scan of the hotel, my eyes wouldn't register them because it was like a white casing on a white sheet. Obviously, like I immediately like am livid at myself. But then I do that thing where I'm like, Dan, you rushed us out of the hotel room. And she's like, You are not blaming me for this right now. Like, It was like, I was, and it's like, she's like, I cannot believe that you just, and, and she was 100% right, but you're just, you're so like angry. You're like, It's somebody's fault. But of course it was my fault. And so I call the hotel and I'm like, Hey, I know that these things are gone for good. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, there's a lost and found. You should try them. And I call and leave a message and I call them again. And anyway, Whoever was, I don't know if it was someone cleaning the room, but somebody ended up with those those AirPods, and I hope they enjoyed them as much as I did. Uh, but then ironically, the ones that Danica, like I got for her for like a birthday, that I just use those now. So, I, you know, she, <laughs> not only did I lose mine, but now I, I use hers. Not that she, she doesn't use them a ton, so it worked out. But yes, uh, Christmas time, I did get an early gift as well. Because it looks like, uh, if people are listening to this, it is going to be sort of a tough time. Everything's in lockdown uh, here in in Ontario. So families aren't allowed to sort of be around uh, one another as we go forward. Um, But yeah, so anyway, in lieu of that sort of pre-Christmas, my brother dropped off a Christmas gift for me. Actually, my brother and his girlfriend, Laura, uh, who's great. Uh, We love her. Um, So this is what my brother got me. Because it doesn't look like we're going to be able to go to Raptors games this year. And what do we love to get at a Raptors game? a giant beer that's kind of the fun part about going to Raptors game my brother went to Scotiabank Arena where the Raptors play and he got me a massive case of the giant beers
1: <laughs> danica was like great
2: look at this thing <laughs> yeah this awesome, is like this is, he got me this
0: he got me a big bag of concession snacks so i got like the m&ms the twizzlers all the things so basically he got me the in arena experience directly from scotia bank because we know my brother works for mlse and he dropped all this off so that uh so that i could enjoy basketball games as if i'm at the the arena
2: do you guys still have the tradition where you give each other turtles or we is abs- that like you're making too much money for that
0: <laughs> we 100% give each other turtles so like I, my brother and I uh, when we were young our mom always got us turtles like it was like whatever we get like our, our normal gifts or whatever we wanted for that year but no matter what our mom always had like a, a box of turtles wrapped for each of us so we get that so when my mom passed away my brother and I just like to keep the tradition going we always without fail give each other a, a box of turtles every year so it's like we still go through the thing where it gets wrapped usually wraps ours, so it looks nice. And Greg's is like some shittily wrapped, like in newspaper. And then we we exchange it, and we, <laughs> and we uh, yeah. So yeah, we still do the turtles. Good memory, Shane.
2: Yeah, man. Oh, I got an update on um, on Jack Pine, the the troll.
0: I love continuity in episodes. For, so for our listeners, your last dessert was about uh, Jack Pine.
2: So he messaged me. He listened to the episode, <laughs> and he he admitted that he's actually a pod fan, and he is a fan of mine. But he's not the biggest uh, Max fan. He thinks there's too much promotion of our going on on this uh, pod. <laughs> just, he, thinks, he thinks you're a man obsessed. It also turns out that he may want to have a threesome with my wife.
0: What was what was your response really? to that?
2: Yeah, are you gonna do it? Well, I, it's COVID times. I said you know it would be <laughs> if word got out, it would be irresponsible of me. It's a bad look, I think, during this time. Okay, yeah, uh, speaking we'll of- revisit it later.
0: Maybe this is too hot for this pod, but uh and we can cut it if you don't want to talk <laughs> about hot. it shade, but do you remember when we were on a, a vacation a bunch of us uh we were in a nice warm weather uh country i don't want I don't wanna time replace but and there was a couple that basically tried to pull you into a threesome
2: yeah, I do yeah, you don't forget something like that
0: one of many times they started with yeah. the, the, the the woman like she kind of was like. Flirty flirty, then the boyfriend enters the, the picture.
2: Yeah, and he started like giving me like a little massage. <laughs> he had amazing hands, so you know when you're like really relaxed, you'll I'll agree to anything. But yeah, it didn't happen. And anytime someone suggests a threesome, you always wonder if they're they're joking or not. Anyway, like Jack Pine. I, I don't know if he's serious. He's definitely really attracted to Alex, but I don't know if he actually would have a threesome. Okay, um,
1: I have to confront you about something here, actually, Shane, um, because I was privy to a screenshot of a text message uh, between two other people that work on on this show, the Michael Much Podcast. Uh, One of them said, um, hilarious question. Shane has talked about Jack Pine before, right? The person responds, okay, yes, thank you. As soon as he said it, I had massive deja vu. I thought I was crazy, like maybe in the summer. And and then the, and then this other person responds, yeah. Haven't we done this segment before? Like, why do I know all these comments already? Yes, one hundred percent. So anyway, uh, the no, accusation even- is that you have already used this material last summer on a podcast, and we could probably pull up the document uh, evidence. Well, well uh, Then, uh, Whoa. so is this an old story, Shane? Is this is this an old story? Uh, no, Shane, then what's is this happening a, is, this is a... Shane? No. No,
2: Shane. it's not. Max, let me explain here. Let me explain. Okay. Max. So okay. what's happening is if happening? if in fact I am regurgitating the same stuff, this person has been messaging me for a little bit, but I do not think it's the same messages. These are new messages. I deal with a lot of trolls on a constant basis. I, I interact <laughs> with them. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes they reuse their material, but th- this conversation that I talked about just happened. It okay, just so happened. It's not just a story and that my you reactions from were new. Yeah, okay. no. And I and I thought, yeah, definitely uh, him him making the joke about um, when when I said, oh, no one's ever called me uh, clever or whatever, and he's like, oh, I don't recall anyone saying you're clever in the last message. Wrong takeaway. That was completely new. And okay. this is a real thing going on in real time in my life.
0: Okay.
1: Well, uh, maybe we get producer Erica to uh, to run the tape. We'll we'll find it. Okay. We'll
0: see, yeah. Yeah. We'll see
2: how much they match. Okay. Yeah. I'm super curious. Would you have a
0: Mike? Would you have a trail of like Jack Pine messages, like going yeah. back or whatever? So yeah. it's like you go at back them
2: right now here. <laughs> okay. Just hold hold here. Okay. Jack Pine. Let's see when he first messaged me. Okay. He first contacted me on August twenty uh, third at ten twenty eight p.m. I think when he contacts me, he's usually, like, we can check if this is a Saturday or not, a Friday or Saturday, because I think he's usually had a few drinks. And he says, how does it feel to sell diapers as your wife emasculates you full time? (laughs) You used to be kind of funny and almost cool, and now this. So, yeah, that. so he he did a diaper thing, uh, his first message, but later on he asked if I was actually wearing diapers. Mm -hmm. So there (laughs) is a. Okay, well,
1: maybe you just have a, a different troll that has the same routine, which could be true. You attract a certain type of person, I suppose.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, but yeah, okay. glad to clear that up.
0: Yeah, that was a little Max was like excited about his gotcha there. He was like got investigative <laughs> yeah, journalism. Are, you really
2: committed to that bit <laughs> of the annoying reporter.
0: <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on like uh, um, sharing these messages in the sense that it's like it gives publicity to the trolls? It's almost like it's like they get what they want. It's like, would you think it invites people to to go at you, or you don't seem to mind in general anyway?
2: Well, I think the fact that they they're a uh, private account that has like zero subscribers and zero followers i don't i'd I'd feel bad if it was like a real person who had their name out there but the fact that it's it's not i don't feel bad about exposing them especially if it's funny innocuous comments right like this guy is it's rooted in humor and uh good-natured ribbing at least the way i take it even though it is you know insulting my masculinity which i've never claimed to have anyway so you know i'm fine with it i'm the first to say i'm not like classic uh, masculine man
0: uh, speaking of masculine men, Max, have you had any early Christmas uh, gifts or Hanukkah? So. Anything for Hanukkah? Also, happy <laughs> Hanukkah! We, yeah, we do you do that.
1: that. No, no, we we did for a few years
2: when I was a kid. Uh, and then,
0: when's I, the last then...
1: time
2: you spun a dreidel? <laughs>
1: I don't know. It's been no. a, it's been a while. You have spun a dreidel though, right? Yeah, yeah, we did back in the day. I thought it was actually really winning because I was I'd get gifts for Hanukkah cuz the Jewish children get gifts and then I'd roll right into Christmas get more gifts and I was like this is the best deal ever. And that probably went from like age, you know, 6 to 10 or something. And then my parents were like, all right, fuck that. We're not doing that anymore. It's just Christmas. Your, your Jewish father doesn't really give a shit about this really to begin with. He was just sort of in it for the latkes. And uh, that's, that, that's, that's all we got. That's a potato pancake for the land. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I've gotten any uh, any gifts. Uh, uh, my friend Erica gave me a gift. I haven't opened it yet, though. Not not producer Erica. Another Erica. Oh, um, oh though I will say, though... Um, Manager Ash didn't receive a little envelope in the mail. And I've been thinking about like us getting older and I'm really grappling with age and time moving too quickly. And and these things, uh, you know, I'm sort of reminded that we're not kids anymore, that we're not a bunch of idiot 19 year olds. And it was a it was a letter or as a card from Mike's family. Mike Veerman's family, which was uh, a really nice looking family card from our family to yours, and it was a really cute picture of Winona. And I was like, thinking, "I was like, man, Mike
2: is a fucking adult. Mike is a <laughs> grown man." <laughs> but I was, wait, you really you think Mike inter- was the brains behind that. Danica was Of course, was the he, wasn't. Of there's course no, Danica, he wasn't. There's no of course Danica, wasn't. Of course he
1: was not the brains. But I was thinking, I was like, oh, I was like, I wonder because Mike, um, you know, likes to have a say in any kind of creative. So it was like, who wrote the copy? Uh, Who chose the photo? I noticed, I think, a matte finish. Uh, Do you want to walk me through, Mike? Uh, How many many conversations you and Danica had? Because you like to get into the weeds on this stuff, I think, when it comes to any sort of thing you're involved with. You like to have sort of like final edit. Um, Was there any arguments between you and you and Danica about, um, you know, what was going to be said and presented on this Christmas card?
0: (laughs) I I, so I I like to have I have an opinion. I like to be, you know, consulted in the process. Uh, You didn't think of the idea,
1: though, right? It wasn't your idea to do it, though, right?
0: This is 100% uh, Danica's idea uh, and all those things that you mentioned. She's going to love to hear that. But like the, the messaging, the matte finish, all of those decisions, which photo out of, you know, we did like a little photo shoot or whatever with wind down by the park near our house. But like, you know, everything was her. Honestly, she came to me sort of at the, she shows me sort of where it's at. And then it's like, like, are you cool with this? I'm like, this is awesome. If I had a note I'd be like, oh, maybe whatever. I had no notes. I was like, that's, that's great. And then she, like, and honestly, like, like Shane said, like, she's the one that's like making sure we get addresses. Things go out to my family. So like all of that sort of like, you know, adult stuff, Yeah, adult stuff. I was that's just true. adult enough. Here's the, here's the, I was adult enough to marry an adult. Uh, That was the, yes. that, that was the the adult move I made. And then she's sort of really taken it from there. So like that, you know, that cohesiveness is really just all her. So all credit to her. But yeah, we sent out cards. Shane, you and Alex and, and Lou. It's and on my Betty. fridge right
2: now. Ah, oh, there you I was, go. I was going to send you a thank you message. Somehow I got distracted, uh, but I, I knew you'd be like, "Oh, that was all Dano." But I, I was actually going to bring it bring it up here. It's on my fridge right now.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, Dano. No, no credit here, other than helping to make the baby and stuff like that. That was the fun part. No, so. yeah, it, it's
2: yeah. a very cute photo. It's a good looking baby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, well, I'm I'm happy that Ash got the card. Uh, Maxi, you also got one at your place too. But I'm, oh, you know, thank I'm, you, thank you. Yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah,
1: yeah. I'll be picking up today. Actually, hey, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it is that is a good move though. If you can uh, do just like kind of send. I mean, Christmas cards obviously is somewhat standard practice. But I was listening to um, James Corden on Smartlist. Do you guys listen to that podcast, Smartlist? Uh,
0: Smartlist. I listen. I, so what? I didn't even know this podcast existed. So for our listeners, uh, oh, this it's is so another,
1: good. It's uh, yeah.
0: Well, it's a podcast with three dudes, much like ours. Uh, they're slightly more accomplished. It's it's uh, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Obviously, these are all very famous sitcom actors and film and whatnot. Uh, and the, the reason I came to it is because somebody sent me, and I'm bummed that I'm blanking on this. Was it Jeff Sykes? Somebody sent me Paul McCartney on, on, on Smartless. And the way that their their their, their bit works is, is like the three of them, I guess are close friends. They get on, they do kind of what we do. But then every episode, one of them brings a surprise guest. So for this episode that I listened to, it was the first one I ever listened to. Sean Hayes brought Paul McCartney and it like obviously blew Will Arnett's and Jason Bateman's minds. And so as I was listening to this, I was just seething with envy. I was just like, oh my God. I'm like. This is like it was so good. Uh, Maxi recommended the Ron Howard one, so I literally listened to that yesterday. So insightful and interesting. I think I think the stuff that Ron Howard said about leadership, uh, about creative—that's what I loved. Yeah, I loved oh, about but directing, directing. A, oh, the so collaboration good. process. Like, what are Shane, the Coles
2: notes? What what's some good tips here? Shane, yeah, do you not listen to this good. podcast? No, I'll start. Oh. It is You'll
1: the, like the only like the Ron podcast Howard, you no, but you like all of them and they all make fun of each other a lot. It's like they're wickedly funny. But sorry, carry on. Give them the Ron Howard like uh notes on on leadership and and directing and stuff. It's really good.
0: Essentially like his father uh was in entertainment in some sort. So so Ron went to the family business and they asked him like if your dad was a doctor, would you have become a doctor? And he's like that's a great question. He's like I probably would have done anything that my dad was doing. You know, if we were like, if he'd stayed, like if he a farmer, I would have, you know, been a farmer. He's like, but I do think I would have gone into leadership. I would have been like a a teacher or something like that. And that's what he sort of gets out of directing. And he talks about what he would see on sets as like a kid, because he was obviously on the Andy Griffith show and all that, and then Happy Days. Um, But Jason Bateman specifically asked him, because Jason Bateman has gotten into directing. He said, you know, what is it like when they talk about collaboration at the top and the idea that like everyone has a suggestion, right? And Ron Howard talked about how like, He's open to suggestions like from anybody, you know, it's like, especially it's like when people feel empowered to have their, to have his ear, he's open to listen to them, but they have to know that when he says no, like it means no, especially if he's like used one before. And Jason was asking about basically actors always wanting to like have a note or a take on something. And Ron Howard basically said, um, he is, he's absolutely like open to that sort of collaboration. Um, but again, it's like at the end of the day, you have to make a decision and you can't be so precious about things like what he learned by being so prolific is basically like instead of getting like into the minutiae or like you get into the slog of one shot that has to be so important. He's like, it's not just just do it and keep it moving and trust your instincts and repetition allows you to trust your instincts a lot more freely uh, in doing these things. Whereas it's like and I, to me, that really resonated because sometimes I'll be like fucking with like the littlest thing that means so much in a moment. But then when I think back a month later, I'm like, that really didn't, I, I spent so much mental capital on that. And then listening to Ron, just being like, trust your instincts was very fascinating. Uh, and he told this great story about Tom Hanks, uh, when he was doing splash and he was a pretty early on director, Ron Howard. And he's like Eugene Levy and, and John Candy are in the movie. And Tom Hanks is trying to be funny. Like he's trying to like, do bits with, uh, Candy and Eugene Levy and Ron Howard's like, I just need you to love the girl. Like, you know, I know you're coming off Bosom Buddies and I know you're a a trained actor. It's like, but I just kind of need you to love the girl. But he ultimately like would give Hanks like a take or two to like do it how Hanks imagined it. And he said when he got into the editing room after they'd shot and everything, he was like, holy shit, like this guy's a genius. Like he ended up using all of the Tom Hanks instincts takes uh, and that sort of made the movie. And so anyway, they, they all started talking about how that's actually the greatest feeling when you do sort of like okay let's try it your way and then that ends up winning he goes listen and everyone likes to be right he's like I do like to be right but I do love when one of those things comes to fruition but do anything stand out to you about the leadership conversation by the way I just yeah. did like half the bit you just listen to the podcast Ron Howard tells it better than I do but
1: yeah well just, just the one part about how uh, well you, you mentioned off the top that um if you are open to suggestion and you and you allow it sometimes and you give the thumbs up, people will respect you when you say no, too. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like if you're saying, OK, we can give it a shot. Oh, that was a great idea. They'll, they'll also yeah, uh, believe you when you say mm, that doesn't work. Let's keep moving. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just thought his there's so much collaboration uh, in directing. And I just thought like he was very sort of clear eyed. And seemed like a good person to work with. And obviously, that probably is a big part of his, his, uh, his success. But yeah, uh, why did I bring that up? Um, Smartless. The, Smart, the Smartless podcast. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we have really got off topic here. So basically, Corden was on last episode. And he talked about how he was trying to convince Paul McCartney to do a thing for him. And McCartney um, was like, ah, there's so many people who are asking me to do this and that. And Corden said, listen, if you do this for me, I'm going to name my first child after you. So the, so the the so Car- uh, Corden has his first kid and his middle name is McCartney and McCartney send him a blanket saying like from one McCartney to another like you got a great dad from Uncle Paul or something like that. It's like a really sweet thing. And I was like, man, if you're just like a rich guy or rich person just gifting things to people on a regular basis is such, would be such a fun thing. Cause I thought about you and Danica just sending a card to somebody, right? It's like, and like it probably just feels nice to know that you're like living on Shane's fridge and on Ash's fridge and my fridge. And and then of course, like the extreme version of that is Paul McCartney sending like a like a hand stitched blanket for the, your newborn, but- yeah. uh, Or Keith yeah, Urban sending a piano he, to Pink. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Th- that'd well, be like, I, I, if, I, if I was super loaded, I'd have a full-time person who was just in charge? I just hire them. Like you are going to be a full time person for sending gifts to people because that'd be sick.
0: Yeah, well, that's so, the yeah. thing. You, ha- I think, in order to do it, you have to be a thoughtful person inherently, and that this is like Danica's one of her superpowers is how incredibly thoughtful she is that she would do that. Because if it was if it was just left to me, it, you know what I mean. Like, and that's one of the things. It's so funny you bring that up too because I was sitting here the other day. And I was just thinking, I'm just like, man, that's so like nice that she did. Cause like it went out to so many people like in my life, not just our life, but like, and I was just like, man, I'm so happy she did that. And it's probably something that I wouldn't have done on my own or at all. So I'm just like, it really does. It does go a lot way, but it's yeah, that's, she deserves all the credit and I, I deserve none when it comes to that.
2: If you were single, do you think you would have a Christmas tree in your place?
0: Me? No. It, send yeah. Out cards. Send out cards. Just of me <laughs> enjoying a drink.
1: <laughs> Happy holidays, friends. Like Mike with a Coors Light, just like yeah. a selfie.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, if listen, if, if 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 things don't work out, I'm going to start doing that actually because I think that's hilarious. Uh, no, I wouldn't, but I wish I would thought of it because how funny would that be? A little narcissistic, but hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but no, Christmas tree. I didn't, I never, when I I lived on my own in downtown Toronto and and I was single, I didn't, I never put up a Christmas tree. I remember one year for Christmas because everybody was in Hamilton, I was in, in, in Toronto. I've told this story before, but like on Christmas Eve, Again, like I was single in downtown Toronto, I just remember like I went out to get like I was like, oh, well I got to eat, and it's Christmas Eve, which is normally this like joyous time where like you look through somebody's window and it's frosted and they're singing carols and you know drinking eggnog (laughs) and shit. But I literally just like walking down the street, and I went, I was like, I'm gonna get some Indian food. So there's this place called Little India around the corner from my place. And the thing is, I actually it was really nice. Like I think I threw on like I think I marathoned like I don't know like Lord of the Rings or something that night, and I just like ate my Indian food. And I've told the story, and every time I tell it, people are like, oh, he's uh, told it before on the pod. I have, I have full disclosure. Oh, not, okay. no, not a, not on the America. pod, not on the pod, okay. not on the pod. Uh, but whenever I tell it to people, people always go like, like ah, uh, like they have sympathy for me, like because I was alone on Christmas Eve. But I truly like, I didn't feel lonely. I just felt like I had it, like I could do whatever, the th- whatever I wanted. I didn't, I didn't feel sad about the thing. And I've always said that, like I know some people when they're alone, especially in you know the modern uh, sort of era, this current sort of phase we're in. It can be sad, but I never felt sad being alone. I just felt like I had the autonomy to do what I want when I want. I could sleep till 2 in the afternoon. I could stay up till 3 in the morning watching movies. Uh, and so even on Christmas Eve, I kind of enjoyed the experience. Um, but I did not have a Christmas tree, no.
2: And Max, when are you the type when you get a Christmas card? Because you mentioned the fact that you would put it on your fridge. But I feel like you're like the type of guy. You get a card, you go, eh, and just throw it out. <laughs> I could not be seeing you like find the magnet and have it on the fridge. Like, are you that no, type of guy? No comment. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, I uh, okay, I, I have to go pee really bad. Okay, what's uh, okay. that? And then let's I actually to have it. to go pee too.
0: All right, pee okay, break. Perfect. All
2: right. Do you have to go pee, Mike?
0: No, I'm good. Oh, right. Shane's in a robe too. The stand up is really funny. All right. Well, that, that, I think that was the first ever uh, bathroom break that we've ever taken while recording. Usually you guys are good to go for the hour. I, what was it? You I'm just usually and-
2: too scared to bring it up. But since Max <laughs> did, uh, I've had to we're go many older. times and now I can uh, have a drink. Oh, nice! Hey, I'm drinking shit. bubbly, by the way. Not alcohol. look at this. Me, too. Is that you grape?
0: Are, you're drinking grape I bubblies. Th-
2: both of you. Identical. Well, we both peed at the same time and now we're both drinking at the same time. I got, yours, got, I got <laughs> my drink. Yeah. 10 a.m. boys. <laughs>
0: Uh, these things are massive. They're hilariously big. These these gifts from Greggy V.
1: But isn't it funny? Like when you're at the um, the movies or at a sports game, you're just like teleported into like another world where that size can like doesn't seem unreasonable. But it's like when American you, when you're sizes. Hold- yeah, like when you when you're in your living room, you're like, this is a ridiculous can. But like when you're at the movie theater, you're like, I'm gonna eat this massive bag of popcorn, like an extra large bag. Like you wouldn't do that in any other time in your life. And the same thing with like, you wouldn't go to the beer store and buy this like hilariously sized Coors
2: Light, you know? Well, I think the idea is like you're so far away and it's so inconvenient to get everybody to get up and leave that they want to give you so much stuff That you just feel comfortable staying put.
0: That's it. Well, I was gonna say, like, I don't even like tall cans, like, if we're all hanging out together, because I find it gets warm by the time I get to the bottom. The thing is, though, at a basketball game, I do like it because one, I don't wanna get up, and like, a beer will last you the whole quarter. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, you know, you have a beer a quarter or whatever. So this is nice. But I was thinking, like, how am I going to do this? Like, if I'm like, Zooming with some like am I gonna have to like chill it and then like pour it into a cup and then put it back in the fridge Or am I just gonna try to anyway, I'm sure I'll figure it out uh... <laughs> But uh, yeah, do you guys want to get to some topics or what yeah, let's yeah, do it. all right, let's get on to some topics guys the NBA is back. It feels like only yesterday we were talking about the NBA uh, coming to a close with the Lakers winning a championship, but they are back. Uh, they we're recording this on a Tuesday. The season will start tonight. You might hear this on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Um, but yeah, one, I'm excited. Two, more specifically, what we're going to talk about is there's been some kind of rumors like uh, percolating. There was like a radio host in Houston that mentioned that the Raptors. We're in on a trade for former MVP James Harden. Now, for those of you who aren't super basketball fans, James Harden's considered like a top three or five player. Uh, he just won an MVP two years ago, um, but he's a little polarizing. He's like sort of like this like historically great scorer on par with Michael Jordan. But he doesn't really play defense. His teams have never made it past a you know conference final. They never made it to the finals. Uh, so he's got. He's got things that can maybe ding him, but I think objectionable people could say he's an amazing player. What's interesting about James is that he has been in Houston for the last, I don't know, almost decade, and he he asked for a trade. And the team was like, we're not trading you. You're one of the best players in the NBA. We don't think we can get a great package back. And if we can't get a great package back, we're not going to trade you. So James Harden at this point decides, you know, training camp starts a couple weeks ago and everybody's due in camp. James doesn't show up to camp. Now that's one thing. So it's like, okay, this is a holdout. He wants to be traded. I guess he's kind of being petulant. But not only did he not show up, but then he posted like video of him in Las Vegas partying at Lil Baby, uh the rapper's birthday party. Uh not masked in a da club. Baby. Not Lil I think it's Lil. baby. Is it the baby? Is it Lil Baby?
2: Right. I thought it was little the baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, don't I don't know It's it's the little baby um, <laughs> yeah, That would make more That's sense That's better <laughs> yeah, so, Little yeah. the baby <laughs> all right. I'm off my game
2: Yeah we're all
0: <laughs> Totally hip to little baby uh, So anyway James Harden's Partying in Vegas So everyone's like Where, What the hell's going on with James This is very embarrassing for Houston Also James Harden makes Over 40 million dollars a year It's like show, you show up for work You would think But he's not And he's partying And he's flaunting it on social media The next night he's in Atlanta At another party uh, And then eventually he shows up up to to camp like and then he has to quarantine because he needs to all, get all the covid tests finally he gives like a press conference and they're like what were you doing and he was like uh he was like i was training like what were you doing in vegas and in atlanta he's like i was training and the reporter's like training for what He's like, he's like, he's like for the season, and James is just sort of like it's this kind of like cold war. Uh, So anyway, this is still unfolding. It is little baby,
1: by the way. There is a da baby, but he was at little baby's party. So you're
0: right. Wait, da baby was at little baby's party? Both babies in one place? It's unprecedented. And James, who is acting like a baby. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, I guess the questions would be: one, where do you guys fall? Because this is kind of has echoes of Rodman you know, going to Vegas. But I think it's actually a little bit more egregious than that. What do you guys think about a star player flexing his leverage by not showing up to camp and then flaunting it on social media? Where do you where do you stand on how James has handled his sort of request to get out of Houston? Start with you, Maxie.
1: Well, it's especially egregious right now because of the COVID protocols. I think a lot of people were, like, offended that he was at a nightclub without wearing a mask, number one. Number two, he's sort of, like, flying around the country. So where a lot of people are being told to, like, stay home, stay in your bubble. He's not doing any of those things. Uh, And then there's the more, I think, obvious one, which is, you know, this is a guy who makes, you know, tens of millions of dollars every single year. And there's a lot of people in Houston that really love him, and it's one thing to just like not want to stay in Houston. That's fine. You know, players want to leave um, their teams all the time, but to be able to be sort of um, it's just like kind of a low class move, right? Like you you don't you don't you're not acting with much integrity if if you're going about it in this way. I think it's a professional way to like you know handle your business, and he's not doing that. So uh, yeah, it's it is funny though because. Um, Harden, uh, just as a personality, is really like interesting. He doesn't really say too much. He's got a lot of style, but what I like the most is he's sort of a stocky guy, and you know people say he likes to drink and party, and and. Uh, he so in his first game back, there's like a picture taken of him at a, of a brutal angle, and he has his warm-up jersey on, and he looks like he's about 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> so it's just like, there's well, so, so many take gr- a photo
0: of me after a weekend in Vegas, and it looks shockingly <laughs> similar. To be honest,
1: I mean, to be fair, the next day with his warm jersey off, he looked kind of like he, look, he normally looks. He
2: looked
0: fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one photo though was jarring, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. God.
1: It was it was awesome. It was it was good. But I mean, in, in terms of like. Just the drama of the league, I, it was a bit of a throwback move because I think a lot of the players these days are like generally pretty well behaved. You have you haven't seen a player go off like this in in, in a long time, so I, I kind of liked it. I like the the intrigue of it. Well, but but what made me think about this was, um, you know, if the Raptors had a shot at him, you know, how I'd feel about it because on one hand, yeah, he's a transcendent
0: player. Oh, that we're gonna get there. We're gonna get to want. that. Okay, okay, we'll get there. Okay. So, Shane, what did uh, Shaney, what'd you, what'd you think you... of how yeah Harden handled his business?
2: Well, I think years ago, this stuff was happening all the time. We just didn't hear about it. Mm. So I don't think this is a shocking story. This is just, it's like a throwback story, like Mac, like Max is saying. Like, this this would happen all the time, and it just wasn't good enough as a story. But now, the 24-hour news cycle is kind of like a 12-hour news cycle now. So you always need something. And who knows? Maybe Harden was doing two things. Maybe he was training, and he was partying. I, I don't think he should have been partying without a mask on. I think that's dangerous for everyone and uh to his to harden's credit he played pretty well i thought w- yeah. when he w- was out there he looks so like james harden yeah if, if you can still produce results i think that is a bit of a save all but if he was terrible like if he was objectively horrible and like a completely different player then i would feel like oh maybe he wasn't uh maybe there would be more of a leg to stand on to accuse him of these things
0: okay so the right? second
2: are don't results just speak for themselves
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's like that line, like however hard line you are about sort of like what is expected of you and what the money is for. And it's like you if you make over $40 million a year and you have to be in camp on this date, like it's like if we don't show up for work, there's consequences. You know what I mean? That being said, James Harden is one in a billion uh, sort of t- – he is unique. He's special and he's different and, you know, what he's worth to that franchise. There's just – I think there's a lot of nuance to the conversation but I think for a lot of fans the black and white is basically like this is your salary show up to work because I have to go to work and if I don't there's consequences and for James there won't be and like you said he he produces he looked like James in those preseason games Um, and we don't know the
2: conversations going on behind the scenes right we only know the headlines and that's what we read and we get mad because we couldn't get away with that but who knows maybe he was messaging them telling them that and the the coaches and everybody just didn't want to reveal it to the press because then they'd look bad.
0: So the second part of this is this report out of this Houston uh, radio station, this 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 radio personality said that the Raptors uh, were one of two favorites along with the Boston Celtics. But basically, I guess the package we sent around Pascal Siakam, who is our all-star, our second-team All-NBA player, who didn't have a great playoffs uh, but was amazing before um, – you know, COVID hit. Uh, he would be the headliner. So basically, we'd be giving up Pascal and other things, future picks, uh, some guys for James Harden. So this creates this kind of funny thing where you go on Twitter and you look at all the comments uh, that sort of come up, you know, around in the the sort of response to this report. And a lot of Raptors fans are like, oh, hell no, hell no, hell no, hell no. And then other people are like, it's James Harden. Like, he's literally like, he's he's one of the best five players in the league. This is sort of the Kawhi trade all over again. Do you guys like the idea of rooting for James and do you feel kind of do you feel kind of bad being like yeah Pascal can go like you know this is that that, that fandom what is fandom and and loyalty and all that from the fan to the player or the player to the city
1: i think after was, uh, we've got a taste of the feeling of a championship um i think more raptors fans would be like listen we developed pascal we made him to an all-star he's he's a f- part of the fabric of our team he helped us win a championship but in the NBA, you don't win a championship unless you have a top five to seven guy on your team, period. It's really hard to win otherwise. So I think people, and as sad as it was when when Kawhi left us, like the high that we still have of the championship, you're wearing a championship hat right now, Mike. Like it's sure still uh the, the chance to compete for that uh is something that is so special. And I and I so I think Raptors fans would be like, look, we're in Toronto. We would never have a chance to sign a, a top tier free agent um, in free agency. This is the only way that kind of player will come to our team unless we draft them. I think we have to do it because, and then we can still feel good that Nick Nurse is still our coach. The supporting cast around James Harden would still be like our guys that we've developed and drafted. And uh, yeah, I, I think now that we've had a taste of that championship run, it's just like we want that back. And I don't know if Pascal would be the person to to lead us there.
2: That that'd be that'd be my take.
0: Shaney boy, yeah.
2: I think for me uh, and a lot of people, more than rooting for Pascal or any other players, like you're rooting for Maasai and like you trust mm. his decisions and anything he says. Because that Kawhi move was so polarizing, and I, I was unsure. Ultimately, it obviously won us a championship. So you'd like to think, okay, and in Maasai I trust. And then whatever he says, I, I would support. It would be exciting though, personally. Like if if Harden came here, I feel like he's such an exciting offensive player. I'd like to to, to be rooting for him on our team instead of against. Them. That's actually an interesting
1: thought, uh, Shane, which I hadn't really thought about in those terms. Where it's just like players kind of come and go, but like you know, organizations often have these like foundational employees, whether it's Masai, who's the president of the team, or or Nick Nurse, who's, who's the coach. You think about a team like Dallas. It's like the Dallas Mavericks, obviously, is Dirk Nowitzki, who they drafted a long time ago, now Luka. Um, but it's really Cuban, the, the owner of the team, and Rick Carlisle. Those guys have been there for 20 years almost. So it's like you do have a, an emotional attachment to like the infrastructural, you know, members of the team more than the actual player players in a sense.
2: Like, are you attached to Pascal at all on an emotional level? Either of you? I am. Yes. I, I
0: Yeah? I am, but it's not like... I don't have it. Yeah, it, it's not like it was with Damar or even Jonas Valanciunas. I was really bummed when Jonas got traded Kyle in be would be
2: different, though. Kyle, Kyle would be different. Oh, Kyle's Kyle like, would, yeah. Because we've been on such a roller coaster with Kyle where we've loved him, hated him. Every yeah, day. yeah. he would so be bit, so weird yeah. if he left.
0: Um, I was just gonna say, Maxi, what you were saying about uh, executives, which Shane sort of triggered. Like John Poplis and I were, were talking about the idea of fandom in the modern era, whereas like the players, like you actually do, we, we're become fans have become more sophisticated about rooting for the organization and the game outside of the game. Like a, a Tuesday night against Charlotte becomes far less important than free agency than rooting for Masai or Bobby Webster or Mark Cuban. Like you, it's actually, it's, it's actually better for the fans to be able to root for the organization because players are going to come and go. Players are going to get injured. Players are going to let you down. But if you have a good infrastructure, it's, it's almost like it's given fans a way to root for a sport 12 months of the year instead of just on the season or during a game you're you're, you're rooting for all these other nuances and then you have these superstars at the executive level like Masai is like the LeBron of executives and so it's like we're like well we got him so as long as we got him we're always going to be competitive and I think it's better because a lot of people lament they're like what about the old days when we used to just care about you know the game that happened on the floor I'm like I think this is better for fans because now it's like we get a much larger game to root for. It's it's like a, a bigger sort of game with a lot more nuance than just pick and rolls and whoever wins or loses at the end of the night of a single game.
1: How do you feel about, uh, you know, Shane mentioned, he's like, well, if he produces, he produces. Like, even if he got drunk the night before and he still scores 35 points, then what's the problem? I mean, the other side of that argument, obviously, is it's like, well, he could have scored 45 points instead of 35 points, you know, or he could have been a little more helpful on defense. Like, is there any excuse... Uh, is any excuse good enough uh, or should players that are getting paid millions of dollars a year only kind of go to bed early, train really hard because they've, you know, they've made that commitment to the team and they're getting paid handsomely for it.
2: Well, you have to enjoy uh, your life. I know, you know, at any at any level, like Mike and I certainly have gone out and then we've come back to work and probably not been as sharp as we could have been, but we've been pretty sharp. And I think you've probably played a few shows, maybe hungover, Max. You, you, was, you t- I don't want to tell a story that you've told before. This is like before, the most
0: diplomatic, diplomatic way to put it. Uh, but, 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 you're right, but though. You're you, right. You
2: told a story, right, Max, where you played a show hungover, I think it was filmed, and you just wanted to barf. And It's like you, yeah. you robbed your fans, Max. Yeah, well, I mean, the only difference is, is that there's like a physical prowess that is needed to perform against
1: elite athletes versus... I'm going out to uh, explore the city, to tell stories, to meet people. Uh, You know, this informs my songwriting. You guys go out and get wasted before a big creative brainstorm. Your juices are flowing differently. Maybe you're going to say something that's genius that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise if you had a full proper night's rest and worked out. So I'm, I'm just saying the lines of work are a little bit different.
2: That's all I'm saying. True. But Harden yeah. uh, has an artistry with the ball, and maybe he comes up with different stuff when he's out drinking with his buddies.
0: <laughs> Him and little baby yeah. just talked crossovers, actually, yeah. in pull-ups. Yeah. yeah. yeah
2: yeah
1: that'd be funny if he just like he just like his brain worked in completely different ways like on the court the next the next day after like parting and he's just like wouldn't have thought of that like check with this like reverse
2: layup like i wanna i wouldn't have done that <laughs> well there's so, the one player who he was on acid this is baseball and he threw a perfect game
1: on acid. Pitcher. Yeah. yeah
0: for yeah. the pirates
2: i don't
1: think this is this is kind of related but i'm just kind of obsessed with it um i think i might have sent it to you guys uh uh, so Chance the Rapper uh, is being sued by his former manager, uh, Pat the Manager. We hit we this about on the this? pod, yeah. Yep. Oh, we did. Okay, well, well, there's just an update because Pitchfork was doing it's like best and worst of uh, 2020. And, and they were talking about like the best lawsuit of the year. <laughs> was Pat the manager suing Chance the rapper. Um, and so the guy's explaining. Like, so basically, I'm reading here. Pat says Chance didn't try it all on that album. It was just freestyling a lot of the time. And he had a lot of hangers on in the studio. And when Chance announced the release date, Pat was basically like, you haven't even started this. Like, please don't announce this. But Chance did it anyway. Anyway, it was funny uh, to check out our news story about it. There's like a 45-minute gap between Chance, says, Chance saying, the big day is coming in February, and when Pat says it. And I, and I just like to imagine Pat hopped on the phone with him. He's like, hey, man, we go back a long way. Could you, could you just delete that tweet? Basically, the album flopped. He says nobody liked it. It sold terribly. He had to cancel his tour because nobody was going to go to it. And then Pat ultimately got fired. And anyway, this is just an example of, of a person who didn't take his job seriously and thought they uh, nice. were... Were the golden child, and and it didn't work out. They 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 weren't listening to management, uh, in the way James
2: Harden wasn't listening to management, and and it actually didn't go so smooth. But what if that album was the best album he ever had? Like people way- always say, Jay Z walks in, he had nothing written down. I was like, oh, this man didn't do his homework, and then he blew everyone away by freestyling. Little this Wayne, same but, thing. I mean, never writes proof- anything down. Proof is in the
1: pudding. This is it. It's like if that album had sold really well and and Chance is like, listen, the way I create is I got all my boys in the studio and I just make stuff off the top of my head and, and everybody loved the record, then I'm right. You're wrong. And and James Harden, if he goes out and scores 55 after going to a strip club, then he's like, this is the way I do it. But it's like the, the results are what they are. And Chance is a rapper's album. Everybody unanimously did not like it. And the, the tour sold terribly. Proof is in the pudding. So time will tell, I guess, when it comes to these kinds of things.
0: Outcome outcome dictates perception always. So yeah, like, yeah, like always. you know, Kawhi hitting that four bouncer changes perception in multiple ways. Giannis not get, you know, say it's Philly that gets past us in overtime in that game seven and then Milwaukee beats them and then Bucks go on to beat like uh, the Golden State. There's just so many things where the outcome will dictate perception. Uh, and so when you say Harden goes it to Vegas and then he drops 50, well, if he's dropping 50 on like The Hawks on a Tuesday night in, you know what I mean? In like in Feb, that's not the same as like not delivering in the conference finals. It is hard. And and by the way, like, yeah, I don't know. But these are the things that are like subjective and hard to measure. Like if Jay-Z is a genius who can come in and just do it without the prep and chance isn't, then they that's that's just the way the cookie crumbles.
2: And sometimes you're having a bad day or maybe a bad week when you're doing the album too. like people who work really hard on albums flop also. That's yeah. a fact. I will say that um, there is a, a more emphasis
1: on process in sports, where it's just like you have to kind of put in the work, get these sort of uh, get the mechanics of what you do really sound, you know, follow like you know the leadership when it comes to defensive schemes or whatever it is that you, whatever sport you're playing in. Because when you're you're down to the last six seconds in the game, everything just kind of will snap into place, hopefully. And if you take if you're lazy about that. When it comes to the playoffs, you know any any of the skill that you might have had to kind of get you through earlier games uh, won't necessarily save you. So I think that that's probably the main problem with Harden uh, is, is that people think that like sure you can pull that off in an early preseason game, but when it comes down to you know the playoffs, it's like are is your team sound? and uh will you be able to pull that off in, in the high pressure moments though i will say that like chris paul's a guy who takes his shit really really seriously and he hasn't won in the playoffs and he's known to be a, a bit of a choke artist too so exactly th- I, there is there is some luck
2: involved as well we all need to blow off steam sometimes all right <laughs> <laughs> is this is are you working on this uh, talk or this explanation for alex or something you you, you
1: really like really leaning into this one shane
2: what no it's always been my motto this isn't for alex this before i even met alex i always said we all need to blow off some steam sometimes (laughs) because if you don't then the pressure and you can be so uptight that your creative suffers or your basketball suffers because then you're taking the game too seriously and the game is supposed to be fun that's true
0: uh but we'd all take harden
2: yeah i would love (laughs) harden
0: uh all right there was a huge piece in L, titled The Journalist and the Farmer Bro, why did Christy Smythe upend her life and stability for Martin Shkreli, one of the least liked men in the world? And the Coles notes of this story is essentially Farmer uh, Bro Martin Shkreli is serving seven years in jail uh, for defrauding investors or some sort of white-collar crime of that nature. People, his history, hate him because he like raised, like I think, HIV drugs, like 500% or something, Um he also bought like a Wu-Tang album, like the one album in the world. There's like a bunch of reasons why people just sort of dislike this guy. And this is before he got busted with the sort of the the defrauding investors. So he's been doing seven years in jail. This woman, Christy Smythe, uh, was covering him for Bloomberg. Uh, so I guess through a series of interviews and going to his court appearances, uh, and then he eventually ends up in jail. He gets convicted. She goes and visits him in jail because she's sort of putting together a book or some sort of long form feature. Over the course of all of these interactions, she falls in love uh, with Martin. Uh, he ostensibly falls in love with her, starts calling her his girlfriend, et cetera, et cetera. She's also married and, and is supposed to be going to these like these marriage counseling sessions. It's falling apart. I'm sure, you know, the, the marriage had issues before Farmer Bro came along. But she essentially shows up for her like her, her uh, therapy sessions with her her husband late because she's too busy hanging out at the jail with uh, Shkreli. Um, <laughs> so you're reading this story. You're going on this journey and you're going, OK, so this is a, this is a story about her falling in love with this kind of like guy that everybody thinks is a creep. And then you go, OK, she's never consummated the relationship. She fell in love with him sort of after he was in jail they've never got hooked up um, it, 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 it is a purely a love of the minds um, and then you realize that he's no longer talking to her she's been sort of like dumped and that she's doing this article so that she can Speak to him through the press. Uh, uh, also, another revelation is that uh, they talked about having children together, but sh- she's a little bit older. So then he said that she should freeze her ovaries or her eggs, sorry. Uh, and so, yeah, so she freezes she freezes her eggs for him. Um, and then he just cuts off communication. She uses this article to talk to him through the press. Uh, and then he just releases, I guess, a statement uh, saying, I wish you uh, all the best in your future endeavors. Uh, and that that is it. And the internet has basically... Um, mocked. I guess they were I don't know if they've mocked her. I mean, I've seen a lot of mocking on the old Twitter, but I think people are just so shocked at this story. Why do you think people are so shocked at this story? We'll start with uh with Maxi. You look like you're gearing up to talk there.
1: Uh well, yeah. I mean, she comes from um such a conventional background, you know. She's like I think pretty middle-class, Midwestern family. Uh, she gets this like very reputable job um, working for Bloomberg, which is like a very reputable news agency. She she's marries somebody who has like a good job, like everything. There's so much stability in her life. Um, so to see somebody throw that all away for for like, one of the most hated people on the planet, um, and then also just be so delusional about the whole thing is, is what is like so shocking about it, which, which and I was trying to think of a comparable. It's like, what's, what's, an, you know, people like leave their marriages all the time, obviously. Um, and, you know, obviously there, there are people who are obsessed with, like killers in jail, not to say that Shkreli is a, a killer, he's not, but like people that are like obsessed with like famous people that, that have done bad things. You see this happen but, all the
0: time. Like Charles Manson had like a woman that loved, you know, like people fall in love with jailhouse, people get married, you know, you know a, that stuff is common.
1: That, that, that stuff happens all the time. But just like her profile of, of being the person who falls in love with him, that is, I think, like the most shocking thing. How she went from this very stable, sturdy person to, to uh
2: you know to being yeah but that's sometimes women uh, sometimes people in general they like the bad boy (laughs) uh,
1: can you speak from experience Shane? i'm not a bad boy
2: (laughs) that's why i'm so scared of my relationship (laughs) don't you go out and see those bad boys no i'm good yeah um.
1: Uh, no, I, um, the, the thing, uh, the, the article, by the way, I recommend you read it. It's so funny in, in like, because there's a turn that happens. Because basically, as a reader, you're coming to accept that they have this, you know, mutual relationship where there's like, there's real fondness and support and love between them. And and they, they get quotes from her family being like, you know, like, we were a little shocked when we found <laughs> out about it, but she has never been happier. Like, you know, like, what if she's happy, we're happy kind of thing. And then so, and then the quote, then the sentence drops about Screlly being like, I'm
2: not talking to her anymore.
1: <laughs> it's like wow. so brutal. Um,
2: yeah. Um, Shay, what do you think? I'm, I'm just wondering, too, how the attraction started. Because sometimes when people get in prison, they start working out a lot. <laughs> you got to pass the time. So I wonder if every time she began visiting him, he just started getting a little bit tighter and more jacked. And then she fell in love with him on like a shallow basis, maybe. And then he started getting so good looking, he started thinking he was better than her, maybe. Oh, I wonder, (laughs) like, maybe he had another woman. And how bad that has to hurt if you get broken up with a guy who's in jail. Well, Like, that's got to hurt so bad.
0: If you're him, too, like, whenever you think about, like, what's equitable in a relationship, like... If you're him, like, what else do you have going on? Of course, you're gonna fall in love with the only person that's coming to see you regularly. So, like, Sham might her, have a
1: point. He might be getting like nude photos from other admirers that are sent. He is to him famous. Via mail. Infamous, so he's infamous, very famous. famous.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like, will he have money when he gets out? Like, did I, I don't know? I did think the government he probably seize? will? Yeah. So, you know, he's he's famous slash infamous. He presumably will have some money when he gets out. You know. Maybe that's maybe that's Mm -hmm. what is her motivation? I don't know. Like like maybe she's a Wu-Tang fan. (laughs) She She wants wants to hear that that album.
2: album. (laughs) (laughs) You never know.
0: Uh, But yeah, actually, manager Ash sent an update in the New York Post. I guess they ran into her out there walking her dog. And she said she's open to seeing other people. Uh, but she's also still open to uh, Martin if he wants to talk about future plans. It's also sad. It's it's very. Uh, do you think it goes the bizarre. other way
1: then too? Do you think now she has a legion of fans that are obsessed with her now because of her kind of infamy? So do you think there's a bunch of guys that are like, oh, this this woman really turns my crank? Like, do you think that could it's be a thing? It's not bad yeah.
2: enough what she did. She's kind of living in purgatory now because she has that stink mm. on her, but she's not like bad enough to be cool. Mm.
0: Some someone will seek her out. She'll be known, you know, when it, however she dates, whether it's being set up or on Tinder or whatever that looks like. they'll. She'll but be the like, new I'm that girl. the news cycle
2: turns over so much, though.
0: That's true. Well, I hope she finds happiness. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> it's a fascinating, uh, yeah, fascinating good, story. Um, all right, guys, we're, we're at the end. It's time for Shane's surprise. If we got a little little surprise ready for us.
2: Okay. Now, this is... Okay, so there's an ultra conservative politician in Europe. He resigned after breaking COVID laws by attending a 25 man orgy. (laughs) 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 So I was just wondering, like, what is the most uh, the furthest you've gone for love or passion (laughs) in your life? Like what is something that is like, it doesn't have to be love necessarily. It could just be like something you've done that was so like risking it all for something you're (laughs) passionate about. Mm.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, this is, I'm assuming he's a closeted politician. I think I saw a headline about this. Was that the, the hypocrisy of being a conservative politician that is like a closeted homosexual? That's part of the hypocrisy. Also like, you know flaunting covid protocols like what what's 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 the, what's the issue why do you have to resign probably because he was
2: yeah i only read headlines mike <laughs> <up with these. laughs> it's a strict rule i have about the desserts it's more to spark an interesting conversation in another way
0: yeah oh it's yeah no
2: it's a good question it's like what what are things you've done
1: that are like spontaneous and and you look back on it and you go oh god i can't believe I can't believe i did that um when i when i was in grade um, 10, uh, I had a crush on a girl who was in grade nine, and she told me, and we were like chatting and we were friendly. Um, maybe it was like, yeah, grade 10 and grade nine, I think. And she mentioned that she was, uh, her, she was a, a gymnast, so she was doing gymnastics, like she was very into that world, she'd done it her whole life. And she was like, Um, I'm, I'm going to, I do gymnastics on Friday night, you know, over at UFT." I was like, Oh, cool, that's what I'm doing. I was like, Okay, cool. So then, I thought, and this is kind of speaks to my sort of like, I think, blind optimism or just general like a sense that things will kind of work out in my favor. Is uh, I was with my friend Aiden, and his house, uh, the UFT gym was on the way to his house. So I said, okay, oh, hey, hey, I know we're walking to your house. Why don't we just stop by at the UFT gym? We'll say hi. We'll just say hi to this girl. Uh, her name is Leia." And then uh, he was like, "Okay, cool." So basically, we went to the gymnastics class and i like kind of poked my head in and i like i waved and she was like mortified she's like what the fuck are you doing here like <laughs> and i feel it's like there's good. been other things like like yeah where it's just like yeah that kind of thing where i'm like oh i like i assumed it was sweet cute. and yeah. and cute and that and she'd be flattered uh and then it was it was sort of like the opposite thing happened where like that that romance was uh died i think on the spot there so i think that that that, that never that's never even got a smooch never got a smooch (laughs) no smooch smooch.
2: I wonder if she's regretting that now though Mm. no
1: you know what we're friends she's actually pregnant so congratulations Leia. she's (laughs) she's with little baby (laughs) yeah
2: yeah, yeah. (laughs) the little baby yeah Uh, in her tummy
0: what about you Shane
2: for me I think that I was so worried when I first started dating Alex I was just like okay she's so much better than me she's gonna dump me And right before our first date, I'm like, I'm going, I have to figure out a way to marry her and have children with her. Cause (laughs) like, I really liked her even before we went on our date. I just, I knew she was the one somehow. Uh, and then I just got uh, a little tipsy one night. We were at a hotel, like way too early in our relationship. And I was like, we should just get married. And that was my way to like lock it down. And luckily she agreed. Like she was she was in an agreeable mood because we both drank like a bottle of champagne. <laughs> and now we're married with kids. So to me, that was like the biggest gamble because I could have looked like such a loser. I didn't know at the time Alex has a similar mentality as me and similar enthusiasm and jumps into stuff all in. So for me, that was kind of the biggest uh, thing I did for passion and love. Mm, and it worked out. Good one. Yeah.
1: So one what so far one loss and one win if we're keeping it a score. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. And
2: Mike, it doesn't have to be about love. It could just be like, I don't know, like your album, the, the racket album or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I mean, well, I would say like that that blue racket album that I I wrote. So basically, I was I was in love with Danica. Um I fell in love with Danica, but I had dated like a friend of hers in like in high school. And so it was a little bit tricky because that friend was like not really feeling the fact that Dan and I were starting to kind of fall in love. Um, so what happened though was like in this kind of purgatory, I was like, ah, like Danica's too, too like, um, principled to cross that line, even though it was like the other one was like a high school thing. And now we were in our like early twenties. So it felt like an- enough time had passed and, you know, reasonable adults and all that sort of thing. Um, and like the You were of-
2: her Martin Screlly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so in that time where I kind of felt like oh like I, I feel like I'm in this sort of like situation where I love this girl Danica but I it, it's not going to happen cuz she you know she won't date me because her friend isn't cool with it and all that stuff. That ended up making me write like a bunch of songs that ended up on that blue racket album that are all sort of about her. Um and when I think back I'm like I probably wrote that whole record just to like let her know I love her without being able to sort of like consummate it and then that ends up leading to Her being like, yeah, like I, you know, we find a way to make it work and we sorted it out with the friend and the friend was ultimately like, listen, this does seem like, you know, if you guys love each other and all that, you have my blessing. And hey, man, a baby and a Christmas card later, it all worked (laughs)
2: out. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, does consummate always mean sex? Is that what? (laughs) Because
0: I think it just means like to make it happen. Okay. Like, yeah, if
1: you're if you're a consummate professional. It's Spelled the same way, right?
0: I think. Consummate, I think just make consummate. it make it official is consummate. Mm-hmm. I think you can, but but you could be right. Maybe it is fornication. Let's look it up for our listeners so that people don't use it wrongly in the future. Consummate. Here we go, gang. I love I love uh, getting these things settled. What does consummate mean? Here we go. <laughs> consummate. Make a marriage or relationship complete by having sexual intercourse. <laughs> oh
1: wow! And then the but second one also- is go for it, Max. To finish, complete, consummate, a business deal. To make perfect. So, yeah. So both.
0: Yeah. I I did both simultaneously. While making love, I was like, are we official? Yeah. (laughs) She's like, "Let's, let's finish and then I'll give you my answer.